I forgot to record an intro until last minute, but boy oh boy was Game of Thrones good. It's week three of Despicable May, and we're talking Despicable Me 3 on today's... Clap along if you feel like three girls and a group. Clap along if you feel like minions are real cute. Clap along if you feel like podcasts are an oversaturated market. Clap along if you feel like we're not affiliated with Netflix. Welcome to Kidflix for Despicable May, a month of exploring the highest grossing animated film franchise of all time with more B-stories than B-movie. This show is not for kids, so turn this off and do a slightly different voice because family. And my guest today, to help us ring in the... We're three quarters of the way through Despicable May. Uh, boy, oh boy, did I torture myself for a stupid pun. But it's uh, comedian extraordinaire, uh, if you're in Philly or in the world, Michael Kelly. <laughs> oh, How are... thank you. Hi, Michael. Hello. How are I'm you? so happy to be here. Thank you so much for uh, coming into my How many apartment. Despicable Me's are there in the franchise? So, <laughs> there's three uh, proper Despicable Me movies, and then next week for the finale... Uh, we are reviewing the Minions standalone movie. Oh, right. They got their own... Yeah. Their own do film. You, do you like the Minions? I, uh, you know, I don't have any strong opinions one way or the other about the Minions. They just sort of... Because uh, I'm 39 years old, so these movies are obviously geared towards children. So And uh, yeah. I missed the mark by a lot for these. So it's just suddenly... I just saw memes of Minions appearing, and I just assumed them... To be some part of an animated... And the memes are weird, because, first of all, they never use, like, minion language, and they're always, like, weird middle-aged mom memes, like, it's a minion with, like, his arms crossed, and it's like, when is it gonna be wine o'clock or something? Right, right, and which is strange, because it's, like, a kid's movie, and and it's associated with drinking. Yeah, and the minions have, I think, a mental capacity of, like, a nine-year-old... If that. Sure, yeah. It was hard to gather. They didn't have a lot of screen time in this movie. They had a few... Which is weird for them. Yeah, I thought so too. I was kind of like bracing myself. But boy, did they sure make up with it with about five other subplots. <laughs> uh, so many that I kind of forgot about the main plot, which was... Uh, Balthazar. Balthazar, right. yeah. So I guess, what, so we start from the beginning? I uh, guess so. Is that really even the main plot? Like, that. that's the thing. This whole movie just felt like stuff is happening, and I'm kind of just sitting there. Well, it's strange, because it just felt like some sort of... Like, I really felt like there was nothing... And, and, <laughs> this is going to sound stupid, but, like, I felt like there was really nothing at stake for anybody in this. So the, what the main driving plot force was Lucy and Gru lose their jobs at the, the AVL. Old, yeah, the Anti-Villain League. Um, because they... Despite recovering the largest diamond in the world uh, from Balthazar, they neglected to catch him. And uh, they're immediately let go as a result. Uh, Which is strange that that's a, you know, a a crux in his life. Because it was pretty clear to me. And when I went back and looked at some of the other Despicable Me franchise, like, he seemed pretty wealthy to begin with. Balthazar? Or uh, Gru? Gru. Grew. Like, he's like, oh no, how are we going to tell these kids we lost our job at the AVL? But it's like, you know, I'm sure they probably had off all of her toys. Yeah, I bet they had some killer. Yeah, why is she selling her toy? Like, you know, he's also employing like untold amounts of minions and has all of this super tech. Like, maybe just downsize. Also, I'm sure the anti villain league had some sort of severance package. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, contractually, they must have had... At least, like, two to three months or something. Easily, easily. They must have had some sort of benefits saved up. But even all that, it didn't seem like they were hurting for cash. I mean, he had a giant, enormous layer. Like, maybe just sell that off and, you know, get a modest tutor, you know, in a suburb and And travel. You you can get a regular car instead of a giant... A tank-style car. So that's another question I have, is how that car fit on the... You know, where did he park that car? That car looked like it was the size of, like, the um, the Hindenburg. Yeah. You know? and I think previous movies uh, in the Despicable Me franchise, I feel like he had, like, a big comical garage. But also, the world size doesn't make any sense. Like, I guess the minions live underground, but... It is really not clear where or how. Yeah, where does he house these minions? You know, is it like an Oompa Loompa situation where they're just That's working? That's what I thought. I think that they're Oompa Loompas, and granted, I haven't seen minions, so we can confirm or debunk this theory next week. But I think it's like they are uh, Oompa Loompa type figures, and they're just kind of happy to do the work, even though they have a terrible work ethic. Yeah, a lot of my questions about the plot of this movie really involves who bankrolled a lot of the stuff in order to make the technology possible. Like, well, I will say, <laughs> I will say that in the first movie, um, we are introduced to I think it's just called the Evil Bank, which is the regular bank, but you go through a weird door and it's for evil people only, and uh, you can get an evil loan. So I feel like he has like some residual money. From all these okay, so he's paying loans. back, you know, uh, he must have taken out a lot of loans yeah. in order to, you know, fund his evil ambitions. Yeah, and then he got, like, some evil bonds or something. They're not paying a lot, but it's just, like, a little, just, like, consistent thing that you get 3% back Okay, on. well, that does make more sense and that Probably. maybe he's, you know, just in a tremendous amount of debt and, uh, and because he doesn't, you know, villain anymore. Because what, he stole, like, he tried to steal the moon? Yes, that the first movie tries steals the moon. The second movie is there a high black market demand for like the moon? Like, no, what, what, what do you do like, with the moon after you take so it? So, if I remember the the evil bank, I, oh, actually, the evil bank denied him a loan because they're like, "You're old news. We want Victor, who's cool." Uh, and then he's like, "We're gonna steal steal the moon pro bono, and then they'll give us a bunch of money because we have the moon." Interesting. It's interesting that we can monetize the value of the moon. Like, honestly, though, I think just Gru needs to release his tax returns. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree in what he's paying. And also, is he paying taxes? I mean, like, can you really tax? Like, it's a weird universe they live in, in that this, like, like being a villain and taking this is some sort of accepted thing, but yet they've created agencies in order to prevent it. Yeah, but he he also has, like, 400 dependents. So I think he's kind of good. He's probably so evil, he probably gets a refund. Yeah, I'm still unclear as how he's supporting all these minions all these years. But moving back into this movie. Yes, of course. So the opening scene, we have um, Balthazar, and they go into his backstory in some sort of, like, you know, news, hard news recap way. Um, And then they speak on how he was on a show for exactly three seasons. And then mid-season, he goes through puberty, and then they start, you know, they're continued, they just cut the whole production. You know, yeah. they, they end it right there, mid-shoot, forget it, his voice cracked, we can't go anywhere with this. Also, like, nobody told him to shave, or the makeup person did not 
put makeup on. But weren't him. there signs leading up to it? Like, I mean, you didn't just all of a sudden, it's not like someone throws a switch and your voice cracks and then, you know, it's kind of a subtle yeah. thing. Also, three seasons is not long It's at not all. long at all. Like, th- he was a little spunky kid at the beginning of that series. Yeah. And, you know, that was really hot at that. I mean, what's strange, too, is like this supposedly took place in the 80s. And this whole thing was like built on Not this anti hero thing. They let you know that it took place in the 80s. They really, they sure, they beat you over the head with it. Uh, and I feel like a large chunk of the budget went to all of the music rights. Yes. Like, I mean, you know, Which they played a Michael say- Jackson song. So whatever this movie grossed, uh, half of it went to that. Yeah, well, this is, uh, I believe this was the first Despicable Me movie, or the second one, I forget, to gross over a billion dollars worldwide. Yeah, so half of that probably yeah. went to use of Beat It. Uh, or bad. It was bad, bad yeah, right? It was bad. Yeah. Uh, there's also 99 Luftballons um, and a bunch of other. They movies. played a clip of Take My Breath Away, the Berlin song. Remember the, yes. the bit where he takes out the cassette tape? And he's like, what? No! <laughs> Which is also strange. Like, why would he put on a mixtape love songs on one side and chase songs on the other side? I mean, that's just like comedy. I guess. I guess. Michael, you and I are comedians. We, like, it's just like, that's just like the rule of twos. It seems know? lazy, the rule of twos. It seems really lazy. But also, if you remember how they filmed that, like, the robot takes it out and then flips it 360 degrees and then pops it back in. I'm like, how oh, would that I, tape physically I, I, work? I didn't realize it was, he just did a complete circle. Yeah, he just did a complete circle. So I'm like, there's no, that's not how a tape, I realize that this was probably written by millennials, but like, you know, that's not how a tape deck yeah. works. Oh, millennials have Ruined the Despicable Me franchise. <laughs> well, serves them right for becoming middle-aged now. <laughs> so. I, will, I will say, I liked every single... I think I liked most things involving Balthazar. Well, yeah, it was entertaining and colorful. It was just strange, because also, again, who... Where did he get all the money to support... So he stole a giant diamond. There's no way... Whatever that diamond is worth. And again, how would you... What would you even do with that diamond? I mean, I guess well, he cut it down it, into... He used it to power his laser. Right, well, we didn't learn that until later. Which is even more absurd than I'm... You know... Well, that I didn't learn really... That. I don't remember. They I introduced the robot because they have the mini robots, I think, at some point in like the second or third act. Because remember, they just dropped the whole A plot at one point to uh, reveal that Gru has a twin brother, Drew, who lives in the made up world of. It's like Scordovia or something. Like, that. Fr- like Fredonia or something, something like that. Yeah, it starts that with an F right. and ends in an Ania. I, also, I don't remember why that happened. Oh, because I guess he just went to his mother. So they just kind of go through. So he they have the whole scene where he takes the diamond and they recover the diamond and then do the whole scene where the ship is floating through the air. Oh, yeah. I have a lot of questions about the gum and how the gum works because there's they don't explain it at all. No, it's just like a... A really convenient plot device. Yes. <laughs> I believe that's the term for it. Because, you know, the gum, sometimes it was like small and sometimes it would grow really big. And I'm like, how does the gum know... When to stop expanding? Well, Balthazar like knows all of it down to his science, and he like he's dancing along to uh, bad still, and he just like avoids all of the doors perfectly. Sure, because it's it's not it's not like oh it's the bubbles growing at a constant rate or an exponential rate. It is really just like it's slow, and then okay, now we need to hit that guy. Right, and then sometimes it's sticky and flat, and then I'm gonna jump ahead a little bit, but there's that point in the scene, or there's a scene at the end where Lucy is jumping on them, and I'm like, how is she not stuck to these? Oh, yeah. How is this gum working? And again, like, some of it's like, it inflates large enough to raise a battleship in the air, which floats over a beach party, and no one's alarmed, (laughs) which is also strange to me. Like, if I was at a beach, and I saw suddenly a battle cruiser floating midair held with bubble gum, and then 
Also seeing a bunch of uh, heavily armed helicopters coming after it, I wouldn't be like running around and cheering on the beach. Yeah, and then later, near the end of the movie, when Balthazar is, has his laser out, there's like just a shot of a guy taking a selfie with the laser. Right, yeah, that and seems it, it weird. had like just gone by him. He like nearly died, and then he's going, okay, cool. Yeah, I'm like, what is this island? Is this the party island that's like off the coast of Portugal or something? Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, it's but, like that small party island. Maybe it's off of like Greece. I don't know. I'm very bored. Are you talking about the Emirates? Is that what it is? What? It's like just like basically a huge island, or maybe it's a small island, I should say. Like, I think Paris Hilton's DJ. There's like a giant club on this island that's like in the European coast. Huh. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. All the Let's money I'm it. getting for this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just went to the evil bank and took out a loan, <laughs> so... Um, uh, so anyway, he so they steal this diamond, and then he recovers the diamond. They fire him, and then he goes to his mother for some reason to tell her, I guess, the bad news. Oh, and then she... Rev- oh, wait, no. Then she reveals- No, he gets a letter. He gets a letter that his father passed away. And he was like, my father's been dead for years. Yeah, exactly. Like he, My, my grew has not gotten better over the course of this month. <laughs> Uh, that, was, um, that was more Drew, I guess. That was strange. Yeah, so they cut back to this. So, so we start moving into the B plot. Like, okay, we've established he's fired, and now they've recovered the diamond. Oh, then they have that scene where um, Balthazar dressed in a costume. Which I knew right away, because I was like, oh, Trey Parker's doing his one other voice. Right, and it's like, well, it's also strange, because I'm like, wait a second. You know, wouldn't the museum have done this on their own? You know, oh, that's like, wouldn't that's they have point. a team of experts at the museum? Rather than just and not wonder why the police are sending their their expert in unannounced, like there was a lot of things that should have set off some red flags, I think, to the museum staff. And then he smashes out of the ceiling once he takes it. I'm like, you just rendered the whole staff unconscious with sleepy darts. Like, why not just go out the front door? Oh, and he says like something stupid in French. Oh, I forget. I know. I think I know him. I was gonna say "hasta la vista," but that's not what he said. <laughs> uh, but the, wh- one of my favorite lines that I wrote down is he said, "I did genuinely laugh." He says, "Son of a Betamax." Oh, he does say that, and I'm just like, "That is just stupid." But I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> I think I'm gonna dress as Balthazar. Yeah, they're just shoehorning in every year. single '80s reference they possibly can, and we're only in the first act of the movie. So then they yeah, cut they to get, well, they also get fired, and for some reason. Uh, there's a replacement for the the guy that's retiring uh, at the Anti-Villain League, who's voiced by Jenny Slate, and then we never see or hear from her again. Right, so they just kind of, like, wheel her in to fire, like, yeah, they, it's a retirement no party. Nonsense. Yeah, because what a bitch, right? Like, they just bring in this, um, it's a retirement party. The whole thing starts off, at least that's what I felt like I was watching. It, I think it was, yeah. And they bring out someone else, and she's like, okay, thanks, and then they just kind of, like, flush him through... The floor. And then she immediately calls for Gru, or she's like, "Who the hell is Gru?" That was the quote, right? And I'm and like, goes, "I that, I believe that's me." Yeah, but that's also strange because it's just like this woman isn't like a brand new employee. She's transferred from somewhere else in the AVL. So how does she not know who Gru is, who's their top agent? But prior to that, he was a sought-after villain. So you'd figure she would just recognize Gru on sight. Right. So it was a really strange choice for them to kind of have her suddenly ask for that. And then we go through all the flim-flam of. You know, uh, you let him get away, and he's even he himself, and even the screenwriters were like, "But he recovered the diamond." They're like, "It doesn't matter. You're fired." I'm like, 
a public fire. Like, it seems like a really strange policy just to publicly fire someone like I that. I cannot imagine an any work scenario where it's like, okay, we're just going to publicly fire you. Because you, don't you have to go through HR or something? Yeah, usually, I mean, I don't know. Like, you know, you work for companies and, you know, human resources would usually have a series of things. That's why they use a lot of contractors at jobs is because it's easier to get rid of them oh i know yeah oh yeah <laughs> that's no, okay guys I that's got a, a different job. podcast I got a job. yeah uh, welcome to kid flicks where we talk about the ins and outs of contracting I, I'm, work I'm, uh, I'm my arms are shaking and i'm drinking a double espresso as i try to calm my nerves uh but no i'm doing okay guys um uh let's see so, yeah so they decide okay we're gonna go back to normovia or whatever the fuck and uh Gru discovers that he has a tr- twin brother named Drew. Right, he gets a letter. He's, like, walking home. They do one of those scenes where it's just, like, he's at rock bottom. He's like, what am I going to do? I couldn't do the accent at gunpoint. Um, he's like, what am I going to do? And then all of a sudden, which is also strange. Oh, wait, first he, like, says he's not going back to being evil. They tell the kids that he's not, you know, they lost their jobs. Or which figure I, something else I did out. like that. Yeah, I appreciate that. But also, I'm like, when do the, why do the kids give a fuck? Especially the younger ones. You know what I mean? Like, they don't understand. What's happening? They don't, and the complexity well, also, like, of slowly and slowly over the course of three the three movies, the kids' personalities have just been like smoothed over and just are gone. Well, there was pretty. I mean, it seemed like it was going to be a pretty flat character scenario. You know what I mean? Like they were only there to kind of bring out something else in him or to yeah. Well, you know. like the first movie, you're like, okay, Margot is like the protector and the smarty pants. Ingrid, Enid, whatever the middle one is. Uh, like a like a tomboy, and she's like into like breaking stuff, and then Agnes is adorable, right? And yeah, they just kind of keep Agnes. They and had some, yeah, else. very three key points, and you know, <laughs> um. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, so he they tell the kids, and then they have the whole like you know, I'll sell my toys for money. And I'm Aww. like, what if he just sells all the scientific equipment? And, like, have some sort of like you know, villain yard sale. I'm sure yeah. some people would buy that shit up. Well, that's how like real you know, fast wars and terrorism happens. Fair. Fair, yeah. but I mean, they can already just get a loan and do it too. I don't oh, know. that's true. I, 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 since this this market seems to be uh, in favor of villainry, or I feel what like have you. that happened in like eight hundred different episodes of The Simpsons, where Homer just accidentally sells rods of plutonium. Oh, sure. Yeah, <laughs> I'm surprised I didn't play in more. You know, uh, to the whole Simpsons. Maybe that'll be in the fourth movie. We'll see. I don't know. Has there been four Simpsons movies? Oh no, I was talking about four. Oh, despicable! <laughs> I was like, wait, what did I? Yeah, because as of some September, coma I've been in. <laughs> as of September 2017, a fourth movie is being made. But interestingly enough, Steve Carell said that the, this third one may be his last film. But he said that if any, if he was asked to do a cameo in any future Minion sequels or whatever, he would happily do it. Why would he pass up on this? It's like, this is this a billion dollar? Yeah, I don't really know. I mean, I guess it's like. It's weird that he was Michael Scott, now he's Gru. I guess, yeah. Like, he's I mean, got to make time for Welcome to Marwin too. See, when I think of him, too, I, I think about, like, back... Like, back, um... Even when it was, um... Uh, on uh, on uh, The Daily Show, when it was, like... when they Remember when he would do that bit with, like, Steve Colbert? It was called Even Steven? Yes. And they would just point-counterpoint, and that was such a great... I mean, that was a long time. So I used to just think of him as that, and they, The Office happened... And then he left the office, but yet they still boldly went on without him, which was, I, in my opinion, um, <laughs> welcome to Kid Flicks, a podcast about The Office. But you know what? Um, I watched uh, The Office when I was a kid, so this is fair game. Oh, yeah, okay. There we go. Yeah, well, I felt like they should have just, you know, that last scene when, like, Michael Scott, oh, spoiler, <laughs> to this very old series, um, 
you know, when, when he takes when off he the has... microphone and puts it down, like that's how the show should have ended. But instead, they went on how many, like two or three seasons I, I think after they did, that? They finished this because he left near the end of the season. There were like maybe four episodes left. Then they did two full seasons without him. Yeah. And I think it would have been interesting if at the end of the doc, uh, like the end of uh, this, the season where Michael left, if then they teased that the documentary is coming because like, okay, Michael left. We see a full arc of Michael growing up and leaving. And then this next season was fallout from the documentary. That would have been interesting. Because that kind of just is what the finale is. Yeah, I guess. I mean, what's interesting, I, I don't know. Like, Honestly, like even the worst episodes of The Office, except for Scott's Tots, I'm like, I'll still watch them and I'll find something. They're great. Yeah, them. no, if it pops on, like I'll just get sucked in and then I'm, it's like two hours later. Yeah, this is the most basic podcast. I know, ever. right? We went from Despicable Me to so, like, Let's I, just discuss the career look, of call, Steve. Call me unique, but I really like The Office. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go go real dangerous here. <laughs> Ooh, what I if don't they know. did the evil office? Ooh, that would be great, like a reverse bizarro. Yeah, like, where like, like that's a big thing now is like just bureaucracy in big things like the Good Place. They're playing with that constantly. I'm surprised we haven't rebooted the Office yet into like a more modern. Like it'd be interesting to kind of like I did like that um, when they started bringing in the extra characters from like the Connecticut office. And they yeah. kind of had a different office. The the office cinematic universe. I mean, yeah, the auto, yeah, in the office cinematic. Yeah, they did it with Golden Girls and Emptiness and Nurses oh, yeah. and all of those times. And then all of them are related to Saint Elsewhere because, uh, oh my goodness. Oh, and I, Soap because that's part of Susan Harris. Susan Harris mm. wrote for Soap, and that's why you had all those characters from both. What well, you you need to look it up. There's this whole thing about the Saint El- Elsewhere cinematic universe and how all these different shows because of weird. Random like TGIF crossovers and different actors playing this or the actors playing the same role on different shows. There's this huge expansive world of like 60, 70 different TV shows and properties that fit into Saint Elsewhere. Interesting. Like it's, I mean, there's like fourth and fifth level different connections. A big part of it is that uh, Kelsey Grammer played Frasier on Wings, Cheers, and Frasier. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, no, well, isn't Kelsey? Yeah, isn't um... Kelsey Grammer played Frasier for twenty years straight? He did, and he's talking. I think, uh, I think we might uh, want to do a reboot. Yeah, because he was on. That's also yeah, my he was first on time Cheers, trying to do uh, Frasier, and and Wings, right? He yes. had a one off in that. So he, he was on three different series, and then I think Wings had random other characters as well from different shows. Like I, I know that Cheer. I didn't watch Cheers all that much, but I know that they had like weird crossovers. With different shows, and it well, so, I mean, uh, so the character in Golden Girls, going back to that universe, because yes. I think Frasier is second um, for uh, a reoccurring character who's appeared in the most series, only to Estelle Getty playing Sophia Petrillo, the mother of Dorothy. Yes, because she was in four different series playing Estelle Getty, because you know there was obviously the Golden Girls, then we had the spinoff Golden Palace. Um, she had several guest appearances on Empty Nest and actually became, in the last few seasons of Empty Nest, uh, a reoccurring character. Um, like, she moves back to Shady Pines. No explanation of what happened to Rose or Blanche. Or their <laughs> hotel that they ran, which was Golden Palace. But then she also, the spinoff from Empty Nest, which was a show called Nurses, she made, she had like a two or three episode arc on that. So she was actually on four different television series on two different networks as the same, playing the exact same character. And, and no I think, one knew. <laughs> and no one knew. No one really realized Okay, it. so here's here's like a small breakdown. So, um, the doctor visited 
There were doctors that visited the bar on Cheers in one episode of St. Elsewhere. Cheers became Frasier. Frasier appeared on Wings. Uh, John Munch from Homicide. Uh, and also, uh, what's-his-face from Law & Order appearing in all these different random shows? Sam... Wait, no, which guy from... I think, isn't that De- uh, Detective Munch? Because he was... Oh, yeah, okay. I think it was he was on Homicide, and then he... Now he's on Law & Order SVU. He's like the guy that always gets paired up with Ice-T. Oh, he, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so, that took me a second. And then he also appeared on The X-Files and The Wire. And he so he the is X-Files. this connecting tissue that includes I Love Lucy as well as The Flash. And this is... He was on I Love Lucy? Not he was, but like all these different connections end up going down. So I can't, you can't really see it at all, but this is like an an example of how it's all connected. And it is like Murphy Brown, Alf, Mr. Alf and Mr. Robot are connected to each other. And I don't understand how. Were they in the same hometown? Where did Alf take place? Was that in Chicago? I've never seen an episode of Alf. I've only seen like shit posts about Alf. Oh, it, you know, actually, I, I remember Alf being on. I remember us as a family watching it because it was a really, and it was a like weird a show. It was a family, show. yeah. It was like you know, this one day this alien crashes into this uh, nice mist. Hey, mid- buddy, yeah. This, See, <laughs> who talks ta- like the Fonz <laughs> crashes into their uh, garage and they just completely accept it. And uh, he he loves to eat cats, have and they heard, have a cat. Have you oh. heard stories about how it was like hell to work on that show? Uh, no, I haven't heard anything. Because to operate Alf, like, he's a puppet, obviously. Sorry, guys. And they had to... <laughs> Spoiler alert. And they had to, like, have all these, like, corridors and holes, like, cut out into the set so the puppet Oh, yeah, well, that, that's what I would have guessed. And, like, it's it was just so frustrating and hard to move around. Uh, but if we're talking um, alien shows that the whole family watched together, my family, we were more of a third rock from the sun family. It was also a great... Great uh, show, great writing. Yeah, I wanted Joseph Gordon-Levitt's haircut so bad when oh, I was me little. Me too. That's what I'm going for you now. Can, honestly, you can I'm a little, little longer because I can't long, quite get into that lower ponytail. How long ponytail. does it take you to grow hair? Like you have like medium length hair, like yeah. bordering on shaggy. I think the character, uh, not the. I've been consciously attitude. growing it out for like a, a year and a couple of months. I decided mm. to start kind of growing it out slowly because um, it's it's funny it's like on one of my um i forget which social media uh two years ago on this day one of them uh showed a picture of me with like a super short skin fade and i was like wow it's amazing how long your hair gets in two years um because it was like seriously like shorter yeah. than it was like like much shorter than yours that's like well yeah well i get a haircut every month and a half and my but my hair like puffs up and out rather than like falling down and maybe if i didn't cut it for like six months or something i would see it but uh, I'm too scared, and I, want, <laughs> and I need to be professional. Oh, we're going to have to post pictures of this, because uh, yeah, this is not a visual. Like, you kind of look like Drew. Drew. Oh, right. Drew. Yes, way. I was like, <laughs> welcome we to go. Kid Flicks, a podcast yeah, where we talk was... about interconnectivity in 80s and 90s sitcoms. I'm, honestly, I I didn't realize how much I needed to get that conversation. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It's amazing how you're universe. like, oh my goodness. Um, um, uh, yeah, so... Uh, so now we're at the point where so Gru confronts his mother and says, "Hey, I got this letter that my father recently passed away. I thought he was dead when I was like, you know, what gives?" And they go into a quick Polaroid montage of you know they got to. So this is this is where it gets really confusing to me. So now we're entering into the <laughs> this B is plot. Where it gets confusing because it's like he okay. So they divorced. Sure, they divorced and then decided they had identical. T- I, I'm making air quotes. Uh, twin twins. 
and separate decide to separate them for whatever she never explains it i rewound it for like three or four times i'm like why did we they also do just this talked about the parent trap and it never makes sense it's like oh each parent wants a kid so instead of like sharing custody of both kids we'll each just get one yeah like it's some sort of weird reverse king solomon situation where they're like we are not keeping these twins together we're going to separate them and then not ever tell well what's understood is that the mother decided or like the, they decided they agreed to never tell the other one about the other one's Which existence is insane. Yeah, why would you do that like this is crazy this yeah, is crazy but, that, so but sh- then they're like uh Gru's brother drew is ra- waiting at the top of the stairs and he says i'm trying to think of because their voices are different but i already like, forgot brother or something i don't yeah, know he, he is like a i get real balky because uh, <laughs> is down here and then drew is up here yeah, it's strange. It's, it's kind of like they're barely Gru, the same. Gru, they're barely different. <laughs> like Drew is like a Mike Myers character, and then Gru is like, uh, like an Adam Sandler character. Oh yeah, I would support. I agree with that. Yeah, I support that. Um, um, but yeah, so they, so they decide instantly. Like he figures out where he lives, and then just shows up in some in this made up country called Fredonia and like or something. the big thing in that country is pigs and that wasn't yeah he funny. owns yeah that was the thing he owns the pigs which is amazing to me because the pigs are just everywhere you yeah. know including the you know tarmac of the airport because they do the plane landing bit in the pigs yeah and then everyone speaks perfect English in this country which is strange because it seems like a small sort of like farm like it, it's, driven it, I feel like they were trying to do like an Estonia or like like a small town Russia Yeah, like thing. one of the, like some Ania that we forget about that's like nestled between two other countries and you look at the map like you know like you know how people forget about Georgia the country because it's so small and it's like seated between two countries oh. you're like oh yeah that's right it's right there Georgia um, <laughs> different one Yeah um but yeah so they they show up and then we later it's revealed to us through their dialogue you know they quick like just shovel in some exposition and he's just like, our father was a villain. He's like, he was the greatest villain. I'm like, wait, back up. You used to work for the AVL. Uh, wouldn't this have been documented somewhere that he was this villain? Like, must at some point have maybe... trouble getting a job there because. Well, they just would. It would have come. Someone would have had to have known that, like, hey, Gru's because like they were also pursuing Gru. Like, someone must have connected the dots that they are related in some way. Yeah, and there there is no mention of that in the first or the second movie. I will put it out there. And then yeah, and then we introduce we introduce the the B subplot, um, which it's like now it's becoming a completely different movie because it's like you know forget what Balthazar is doing. You know whatever he's doing at this period of time, we're now focused on these these siblings getting to know each other. And in, in the dialogue about um, mixing them all up, Drew says to Gru, I'm so excited you're here um, because, you know, I always, my father said I would never be a good villain, basically like echoing what the mother used to do to Gru. Yeah. And he's just like, and you're going to help me to help prove him wrong. And I'm like, so you've known your brothers existed. Like, it was obviously very set up in a way that... Drew has known that he has had the twin brother, you know, unlike Gru, who was in the dark this whole time. But he, like, respected his father's wishes, I guess. Which is really weird. And I'm like, wait, but now you're waiting until he's dead to prove him wrong? Like, didn't you think that maybe, you know, Gru might have wanted to meet his dad at some point? And you're like, oh, no, I'll wait till he dies. And then I'll contact him. And then we're going to come up with some sort of convoluted plot yeah, to... It's also weird. Like, I get why that, like, they need, like, Drew to have hair... So that they could distinguish between the two. But oh, that was another thing. That Go ahead, finish your thought. Because well, that was something else that drove me nuts. I feel like it's a thing where... Because uh, Gru and the mom... The mom in the past two movies, you see flashbacks. And she's kind of like mean to him. And she's always like, eh, never enough. 
So that could have stressed him out, and that's what caused him to go bald. Meanwhile, but I it doesn't even. Well, sound no, they like show Drew. the picture of the dad, and the dad looks like both of them. It's like he has the same. He has like well, they he's male Paul pattern baldness, baldness. So that's what drives me nuts about this. I'm like, this isn't how male pattern baldness works. You know, like they could have just had Drew in a white suit and called it a day. I don't know why they had to go full. He has hair and the other one doesn't. I'm like, if they're identical twins, they would look the same. And they could have done a whole subplot of like seeing, oh, Gru wants to be good and Drew wants to be bad. So they become enemies in the movie. Like, and then they come together at the end to defeat Balthazar Brat. But it's, it's more so like, oh, these siblings are fighting because they are family, but they have different uh, worldviews. And they could even do a thing where... Drew impersonates Gru like they do in yeah, the movie. Yeah, they could have done it. Yeah, that would have been great. That, that would have been, been amazing. Groot. Like he actually like pretends to be Groot and then frames Groot, so he becomes. This could. Have, we're already writing a better movie because this, this movie a, was. I kind of want to rewrite this movie. Rewrite this movie. Yeah, we're doing it now. Uh, glad. Good, good thing we're recording it because this is the the first one. Uh, the animation was kind of hard to watch, but it was a good movie. The second one was fine. Uh, but this one just feels like a bunch of sketches. Well, that's the thing. There were so many disjointed plots. Um, so the next subplot they introduce is the whole, the unicorn hunting. So they go to the cheese festival and Lucy, which is also really strange character choices yeah. for her. It's Lucy's like, she's never a good mom, but it's like, she's never done it before. Like Lucy was a secret agent, right? Like she must have possessed some sort of reasoning skills. Also, she's she like, probably Let me had a mom. Yeah, I'm sure she had a mom. Maybe she's seen children before and realized that like, you know, like when they go to the, they go to this, this festival, where everyone speaks perfect English, and yeah. um, it's a cheese festival. And she's like, "Can I have this?" And and, they, and she gives her like the whole bag of money. And I'm like, "Why would you do that?" And Margot's like, "You don't have to say yes to them. I know, but no, no, like you say yes to me. It's like f- fuck off, Margot. Yeah, that was really go weird. eat that boy's cheese. Yeah, and that's how we. And then they go off and run off, and that becomes you know. Then we get plots C plot. C subplot, which is them hunting a unicorn, and then we enter into a D subplot where she accidentally because and I called that from the moment you had this like kid dancing with cheese and it's like, will no one eat his cheese? And I'm like, this is really this is for the parents. This has to be for the parents. This is also all they know how to do with Margot. Like I'm calling it in the in the next Despicable Me movie. She is also going to have like boy troubles, yeah, that, and that's going to be no, the whole thing. Yeah, why did we even need this? Like, just didn't also, do anything they said for the she's movie. Twelve, I think. Fourteen. Fourteen. Okay, maybe, it may be appropriate like, to be thinking about boys and stuff, but it's like the last movie she was in love with the villain's son accidentally, and then this movie... Well, they, that makes sense. They have nothing for her to do except like, I accidentally ate this boy's cheese, which looked very good. And they didn't need to come along the whole... T- you know, they didn't really need to write these people into the plot, no matter how attached... That, you know, everyone's in it for the, what, the minions and... and- Anything else? Are there anything, Ag- for anything else? Ag- I feel like, like the minions... We've been talking about this the whole month, that Agnes is so great... And she should be more. She's the youngest the one, right? Yeah. Oh, I found her very grating the I, whole time. <laughs> I get that, but also I, I guess because I have two other movies of seeing her, and she's just like very sweet. Like she gives this little wedding speech at Gru and Lucy's wedding, and it's very nice. See, I didn't. Yeah, I, I don't have enough character. To, I'm just watching her be like they they shoehorned these kids. It's almost as if they wrote all these. It's like they wrote f- two separate movies and then shoehorned them together. Because yeah. it's like, we're still on this B-plot, and then we have a wacky montage. I'm like, this is an hour and a half movie. Why are we doing this? And uh, and then what, we finally... So he he comes up with the idea to do one last heist 
But it's really kind of just a, uh, he's lying to his brother, which I thought was kind of messed up, because his brother's been nothing but nice to him since they got there. In fact, he even allowed, like, the youngest kid to bring in a feral goat. No well, questions that later, asked. It was later, but I mean, you know, just to yeah. show in this guy's character. But, I mean, it's like, you know, it's hard to say no to your brother. Right. <laughs> I guess. So they... So they move on. They uh, they try to break into Balthazar's, Balthazar's headquarters. Yeah. Drew is bad at it. Yes, where are those headquarters? Like they they arrive there on ship, which is strange to me because I'm like they, they were in Southern California, which is near where Balthazar supposedly has his tower in the middle of the ocean. Which, yeah. by the way, how did they build that with no one noticing? Residuals, huh? You can pay anybody with residuals. I guess. I guess. Well, that's the thing. He but it was only three seasons. That's not a long time. But I mean, you saw all those dolls. That thing must have been like. A mega sensation. Like this is all the also the 80s, which is so also like, strange. Not a lot of people. Not as many people had cable. Um, like the ratings, juggernauts were still on uh, a, like analog TV. No, but there was so much. I mean, in in the eighties, I feel like he's like Webster. Balthazar Brad is like Webster. Sort I'm of, calling see, it. I feel like he's more like uh, Small Wonder <laughs> in a oh. way. Because I mean, in the eighties, like you had so Reagan. Um, before Reagan became president in the 80s yeah, wait, when he was no, still governor Balthazar doesn't talk about John Hinckley Jr. at all oh yeah I guess that's true that's so weird that is weird there's a lot of <laughs> yeah, you just don't mention up in the, the 80s you have to mention the man that tried to it's required by Reagan. Law. well yeah but so uh, once Reagan became president he lifted a ban on television production saying that TV shows for kids couldn't just be 30-minute commercials. That's how all of a sudden we got the Transformers, G.I. Joe, Gem and the Holograms. Like, these were all oh. essentially toy-driving. Because that was the um, the structure of television for kids programming in the 80s was we had toys, and now we need to market these toys. So we're going to create, you know, they started with comic books that would go along, that were free in the yeah. toy stores. And then they eventually made the programming for syndication and, and things like that, which is how you had He-Man as well. Same thing. They created toys. I mean, Teenage story Mutant later. Ninja Turtles by far. That came a little later, so I think by then they started actually changing it around where they were creating the stories. But that was also a comic book before it was a television oh, series. Yeah. Most of them were. They became comic books later. A lot of it happened simultaneously because, again, this lift on the marketing ban. But that's the other thing that drives me nuts, too, is they canceled the show three seasons in, and this was obviously a very popular, successful show. Because everybody like, knows Hollywood, in their right mind, would never just shut that down. They would replace it. They I think would either replace him or That would have been much more interesting, too, if they, if they replaced him with somebody else, and that's what's driving his anger. Bingo. That It could have been like him trying to get the next kid they replaced him with, not like some sort of just like, well, we'll just have him get revenge. It's almost like they didn't know what to do with Balthazar and yeah. kind of thought about details after they decided to insert him into the plot because the formulas seem to all have one main antagonist in all of them. Yeah, uh, so, I, so this is like a big thing, I think, with a lot of Illumination productions. So Illumination, they their big thing is obviously Despicable Me. Uh, they're also responsible for uh, Sing. Uh, Which the they had Grinch a Sing movie. poster in the movie. Did they you notice did. that? But it wasn't the poster for the movie. Well, Because that, that, I think they were still like, oh, what is this movie going to be? Yeah, I'm like, uh, come on. <laughs> and they, they also did Secret Life of Pets, which I saw by myself on a Tuesday night when I was living in London. Uh, very <laughs> the fun. only way to see that movie. <laughs> yeah, and I think a lot, uh, a lot of their movies are so... Because... Despicable Me 3 is not necessarily like bad or terrible, but I think like there's so many things that are just like these are easy fixes and I feel like this this feels like a a, a first or a second draft script. 
Oh, I, I feel like it was one stream of consciousness that they had to get in. Like, someone's like, oh, shit, I better write this. It's yeah, due today. These, these are coming out every three years. So it's like, okay, we need to get ready for the next Despicable Me movie. We got to capitalize while we still can. Oh, and going back to, like, the Minions decide to strike, which is strange to me. Because I know from what I read about the second film, when he just because that's when he decided to not be evil anymore and they join like, the AVL. Aww. And they were all mad then. Why didn't they strike then? Like, why is it now well, because, that he's... Uh, Dr. whatever, uh, Gru's former weapons specialist or whatever, he was secretly working with the villain to create stuff. And I think the minions were okay with that because they were like, okay, our other leader is doing evil stuff, so maybe we're cool with it. Um, and they had an interesting journey up to this point. Because like, I know we're, we're up to the point where they're now storming Balthazar's castle but in the meantime we've had a several gratuitous yeah, so minions so, uh, yeah we were just glossing over the minions so yeah, they're so just the wandering the streets and no one blinks no one's like <laughs> hey look at this hemorrhoid medication walking down the street what yeah <laughs> um and then uh they get arrested because arrested prosec- tried prosecuted and imprisoned within a day's time what did they do they just like evaded police no that's when they had the weird wacky so the sing poster so they they somehow they were hungry because they were wandering the streets and of no Hollywood. One had bananas, and they you have the pizza guy with like the, on the scooter with like oh, the ten stacked pizzas. That's right. And they follow him onto a Hollywood soundstage, and then they become they're trespassing. So then, um, they. Do that wacky bit of like, they do that old timey bit where they wander onto a soundstage to avoid security and then wander onto like a singing competition that's in progress of shooting. They they sing a minion version of uh, Gilbert and Sullivan's like modern major general. Is that what that was? I didn't recognize the song. I was too busy like writing down like what the fuck. And it was big because it's like, what in the hell's going on here? I'm like. Did they not run into one TD, uh, PA, or any other kind of show business person who operates the back scenes of a major singing competition where they're suddenly in dark and the lights go up to a packed audience? I'm like, that's isn't how TV works. And I, th- three movies in, I still don't know their rules. Like, who understands them and who doesn't? Yeah, it's like Stewie on Family Guy where it's like yeah, sometimes exactly. you're like, they understand, but then they don't, which I don't know if they've ever cleared that up by now. So I they go to jail. Them. Um, yeah, they go to jail. They're they're imprisoned. Yeah, they're arrested, one, indicted, one tried, thing, and imprisoned in the same day. One thing I'll give this movie credit for: there wasn't a drop the soap joke. There was v- almost one. No, but there was a lot of poop joke. So remember when they're like coming out of the stalls and he's like they're coming out of the drains. That's what they discover. Like they can get in and out of the drains to build this giant airship yeah. made of tubs, which never would fly because tubs and sur- first of all, there's no tubs in prison. Right? Like there's no. There was definitely a few <laughs> clawfoot tubs. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, And then also, you know, like, that's an insane plan. And they're in Alcatraz. Did you notice that? Like, they're supposedly in Alcatraz. Yeah, that's just because they fly off of, and, like, there's, like, oceans surrounding them in in Los... So the... That would mean that they were in Los Angeles. They were in Hollywood, California, arrested, indicted, tried, prosecuted, and imprisoned in the sky. In maximum security prison, you know, for trespassing, which seems a little steep to me, assigned to hard labor, and then they secretly... You know, they uh, uh, make a whole elaborate... They have enough time to make an elaborate escape that no one notices, and they're airborne. Well, because they, they, they run that prison. We don't really understand why or how, right? but everybody's scared of them because they threw, like, a basketball And how do they just, just put them with humans? They just assume they're people? Like, I figured, like, animal control would have been a situation, because, you know, it's obviously no one understands them, but I guess they do. They're, they're like, sentient enough that I think they're, like... Oh, yeah, they're, like, let's here. expedite due process. So, anyway, yeah, so they're... So they're jailed, 
And then we forget about them for a while until we have a nice convenience of plot for them later to yeah, they're, they're, fly into, if you will. Their arrest was definitely illegal. The minions were not read their banana rights. Oh, Thank that's you. for sure. I don't know. They had to cut a lot out for... Uh, that's Because the main poster, I remember seeing this movie being advertised and one of the main posters, one of two posters were the minion, one of the minions, I guess... Larry or whatever the fuck the main guy named. Uh, they kept like he did not really exist. Well, you remember the they gave one. that a weird like sort of backstory. I'm like, when did he ever go fishing it with any a, of the minions? I thought that was a little cute. Though. It also seems it was cute. It was cute, it's but like, it's like a oh, weird yeah, favorist the, the, thing. The minions love grew, um, but that was weird. But yeah, so the one poster it has, I guess, him crossing his arms, and it says his arms say "grew life" in like a prison tattoo. Well, I guess that there you have it. But, this but, whole time he's still been obsessing over Gru, even though he doesn't have his change of heart until they fly past each other in the final act of the movie. All yeah. right, so anyway, so that was the Minions, right? And then we fly back to... So now they're storming... Oh, no, then we go to the unicorn and it's a hunt, and it's a go. That's it. Yeah, and we cool. get it, and they're like neatly wrapped up, and then they wrap up the D-plot with the kid show. She eats the cheese, they take her away, and then... They're like, cool, bye. <laughs> yeah, and then this woman comes in and like... It's like, so you're supposed to marry my son or whatever. Again, speaking perfect English in this very rural, uh, like, there's no way these people speak this well of English. No. And under, it's, or it's, there's no way that there would be such a barrier culturally that they wouldn't understand that this is like a, like promising their kids to be married one day with this cheese eating thing, but yet lack the communication, but still have the ability to communicate verbally. Like, that was a strange choice, too. Yeah, I'm so, like, that, so everybody comes back home. So Gru, Drew, the girls, Lucy, they all go back to, I think, Drew's house. To They're at, they're at Drew's house, and while, meanwhile... And, and uh, Gru says... Oh, because uh, Agnes is like, look, we found a unicorn. And Drew's like, that's not a unicorn, that's a goat. And then he says, life is like wanting a unicorn, but getting a goat. Right. Which is... Well, no, he says, like, having a brother, I think, right? Like, he makes the analogy to having a brother. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. you know, he's just kind of, like, he thought he was getting a unicorn, but it turns out it was just a goat. But Agnes loves the goat regardless. Yes, and she's just like, this is the best goat in the world. Yeah, they and tie, They button that up real that's nice. That's partly why I love yeah. Agnes, because that's her entire thing. And she's like, oh, well, I like it still. Imagine if they found more goats. Because, like, where did this goat come from? Uh, don't know. Um, yeah. Anyway, we yeah, so, <laughs> we can. So so then uh, Lucy's like, okay, I'm gonna take the girls back to the U.S. I'll take the jewel to the AVL. Oh right, they've already gotten the jewel, and this is the one. And they have of the, the wacky where I was like, oh, that's actually that that was good. That was a good like we foreshadowed that before, but now it came together. So it turns out that Lucy was actually Balthazar Brat in disguise, in full drag, full geesh. Yeah. Except they didn't have Trey Parker do the voice, so it worked better. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But here's the, that's the thing that confused me about this. So we established. So they go back to they go to Balthazar's. They storm his tower. They acquire the diamond, and they still don't apprehend him because that was the whole thing. Like the whole thing is to kind of get the diamond back. So he's like, "We'll get our jobs at the AVL." But if sure. we go back to the first scene, the overlining problem was. The overlaying problem was he didn't apprehend him, so and they had him gummed up. But here's where it gets really weird: is like he sends the drones after them to kill him. Oh, and that kill them doesn't go anywhere. It goes nowhere, and then they run out to this platform. The door closes, and then it starts slowly retracting in over the poison thing. And what must and that happened in a matter of seconds. So I'm supposed to believe that somehow Balthazar got out of the gum, 
managed to put on an elaborate Lucy costume, get into Drew's helicopter, because it must be Drew's helicopter, because it has a landing spot in his lab, and they're, you know, like, like also, when do you have you time? Have no to... notes with you, but you have, you have I've been thought a lot about this. Going down this. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you texted me the other day, like, just, oh boy, or something. Yeah, I was, I was like, like, oh, wow. <laughs> well, that's the thing is, like, when did he have time to go in, put on drag, a convincing drag at that, <laughs> and then fly in with this helicopter, ex machina them as they're falling at the last moment, you know, before they die, and then get back to the thing. But overall, I was, I did really like that twist, because I didn't see that coming. Yeah, for once. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I did, yeah, that wasn't uh, telegraphed yeah, from then, miles and away. And then Balthazar goes to uh, do his plan, which is to send Los Angeles to outer space. Yeah, which is weird, because he also only got, like, downtown, and no one knows the downtown. Yeah, and but, also, uh, also, like... I mean, obviously, they like nobody knows what like Hollywood Boulevard looks like. But I've been to Hollywood Boulevard. You cannot see the Hollywood sign, and uh, that there there's no way that there would be that few people there, and there was no like masturbating Elmo. Yeah, I mean, like that's the thing is also is it's just like such an arbitrary like I'm just gonna get my revenge on Hollywood. It's like even if he succeeded in this goal and like you know, casually killed a ton of people and then fly. They'll just build another one. Like, it's like he didn't even take out sound stages. He didn't actually take out Hollywood. He just took out, like, a random yeah, a 20 city blocks. Like, like, Pittsburgh will become Hollywood now. Um, and then... They build a new one over the gaping hole they left in the... Yes, and, and then we didn't really mention this, but uh, so Balthazar has a lot of, like, 80s-themed gadgets. And so Drew, uh, one of his favorite is he has a keytar that'll play, like, different... 80s songs on Oh, yeah, yeah, He did, yeah. like, do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do, whatever that song is. Oh, yeah, wasn't that from um, Beverly Hills Cop? Uh, yes. Yeah, it was, like, so, one of the scores from Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah, and so Gru grabs the guitar and plays the beginning of Dire Straits' Money for Nothing, mm-hmm. which, that was that was the part of this movie where I was like, what is happening? <laughs> How does Gru... They're like, we bought all these rights to this music. We got to get it in here. How does Gru know the opening bit to Money for Nothing? And how does he know to change the voice of the guitar so it works? Yeah, there, yeah, that was also puzzling to me as well. But, but again, I, it, for me, the biggest problem was it's all over this stupid diamond. And the amount of money that went into creating all of the technology, all of the raw elements and to create... all the damage the, that they caused all, the, all over well, the I mean, world. That's unsured. But I mean... All of the money that, yeah, the gum, all the technology that had to go into creating the gum, all of the raw materials to create the physical gum itself, um, you know, uh, the energy, like, to to build a tower in the ocean. Like, who paid for all this? The show only ran three seasons. There's no way in hell that that earned enough money to fund all of that. And if it was, that would have meant that, like, they had to keep syndicating the show, which would have meant that his Hollywood star would have only gotten better. Like, who was his agent? Like, why didn't he move on to more work? Like, I know a lot of child stars don't get a ton of work right why, away. But... Why didn't Balthazar Brett become Haley Joel Osment? Yeah. All, if Balthazar just took a couple years off, went to NYU, uh, did a couple little indie films, yeah. and then be in Future Man. Yeah, exactly. Come on, Balthazar. But in, I liked your idea of, like, Man. it would have been interesting if they had just replaced... If they would have given him more of a specific, instead of just, like, my revenge on Hollywood. Like, if they had, like, a specific, like, this other kid actor that was also an adult that grew up and became more successful. Like, because they could have just paralleled off of like, that so much. You know but they what? were too busy writing three other plots for us to watch. You know what? You know who could have been the, the guy that took his spot? The guy that we see on Hollywood Boulevard putting his hands 
in the concrete in front of the Chinese theater. Ooh, or what if it was Drew? Wouldn't that have been a fun, like, just that would have tied it all together. Like, if it was Drew and he never realized that he was a twin brother and they just replaced him? Because they must be about the same age. Wait, so you're saying Drew replaced Balthazar Brett? Yeah, if they're kids, right? Like, even though he went to Fredonia or wherever, but apparently that's like a stone's throw away because they were able to speedboat from Fredonia to his tower, which was, like, you know, off the coast of Southern California, and then make it over there. Uh, we you haven't know, had an angry time. episode like this. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> so really? It's so uh, everyone, no one, cele- everyone just celebrates these movies. Oh, do you want to hear? Uh, speaking of which, uh, do you want to hear some of the other people that uh, nearly voiced Balthazar Brat? Oh, please. This yes. is a murderer's row: John Cena, Ty Burrell, Ed Helms, Ed O'Neill, Josh Gad, Bill Hader, Danny McBride, Steve Zahn, and Andy Samberg, Ashton Kutcher, Will Forte, Deirdre Bader. Bruce Willis, and John Malkovich. <laughs> John Malkovich. That would have been amazing. What would I that have been like? I am going to excite my revenge <laughs> on you, Gru. I was a child star. <laughs> I, can't. I am the Balthazar Brett, Gru. Uh, Ty Burrell would have been a weird-ass choice. Yeah, Ed a Helms, really... also interesting. Ed, Ed Helms, I, I, could have, I could have fucked with that. Ed O'Neill makes no sense. That makes no sense whatsoever. Like, <laughs> hey, grew Gloria. <laughs> Especially him playing an 80, I mean, you know, an 80s child actor. Yeah, I, maybe, I wonder if it would have been like, they would have made him like Who an 80s Who was the voice dad. actor of it? I forget. Gru? No, not Gru. Uh, um, uh, Balthazar. Uh, Trey Parker. Trey Parker. And interestingly, I, I do like this fact. He said that his daughter was a key factor in him taking the role because he wanted his daughter to see something that he'd done. That's fair. I, someone else said that too. Um, I think that's why Johnny Depp like was talking about when he switched to doing Pirates of the Caribbean. He had said in an interview um, on the red carpet that he was excited to do these um, franchises because his kids were getting older and he wanted actually something that they could watch him perform in because everything up until that point was not for. Well, that's also uh, apparently the, the an explanation for the weird dip in. Uh, uh, M. Night Shyamalan movies because mm. his girl like his girls I think were young or they were born right around when the village was in production okay uh, so then after that came Lady in the Water which was like he was trying to make a fairy tale for them interesting I never watched that one neither did I no one did and then I think the ha- <laughs> then the happening or no then he did The Last Airbender and After Earth all of these just like weird movies right that don't really do anything but and then The Visit uh well, no, then later? The Happening. The Happening, oh, the happening. Was 2008, which was a wild movie. But then when his kids, they were like teenagers or something, and with The Visit, he was like, oh, I want to scare my kids now. And so that's that's kind of been an explanation, quote-unquote, for the resurgence of Shyamalan. Uh, and I'm here for it. I, I'm, I The Visit, loved, did you watch it? I loved The Visit. See, I knew what was happening, because it's just, it, when you say M. Night Shyamalan, I'm just going to assume that there's going to be some ridiculous twist. Yeah, but what I think he's good at is putting enough red herrings in most of his movies that I'm like, I th- I'm, it might be this, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was that, but I'm just going to like see what happens. I did love Signs, though. Signs was good. I, honestly, I, re-watch, I watched Village for the first time a little while ago, and like I knew what the ending was because I've heard about it for years, but... It's good. That was like Bryce Dallas Howard's first star. Yeah, I mean, role. they're not bad movie. You know what I mean? Like they're great. A lot of them are great movies. It's just like you expect this twist. Um, yeah, and I think once he kind of dug himself out of that and was like, you know what? I'm just gonna make like spooky movies. They might have a twist in them. 
but also like I'm just going to make movies. So how did this movie end? This was so they have their big battle scene. He gets his Voltron robot, and that's what we we are then revealed that the diamond is to well we, they reveal that actually at the, the tower pa- scene. It powers but the laser. This laser to and then float Drew Hollywood punches the laser reservoir or something, and the laser stops. Right before like, Ex Machina grew. And then grew, explodes it again or something. Uh, and then... Right, and Balthazar then he actually gets in and destroys it. And then they're oh, like, oh, they no. do, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then with the guitar, and then Balthazar gets destroyed. Yeah, because they have the dance fight. Yeah, and then it, the ending is... Drew is like, I think I'm going to be evil. And then he flies away. And then Gru's like, let's give him a, t- a five-minute head start. Oh, yeah, they do the cutesy ending. I'm like, is he going to be the villain in Despicable Me 4? No, what, you know what Drew being like, nuts? That was like this movie's equivalent of like, your kids, something's got to be done about your kids. I almost flipped my coffee table because the whole driving, you know, the, the whole driving instance of the A plot, which is them losing their jobs... They they button it up real quick with like we have our job you know everyone get to bed early we've got our jobs back at the AVL oh, yeah. tomorrow and I'm like this was the biggest point of the movie they like, if, why did they have they're not going to illustrate like them this bringing movie him in with credits was an hour and a half they could have I would have been fine if they had ten more minutes and they just kind of like slowed things down a little bit and we saw Gru and Drew like actually make up and really be like huh I guess like you can stay with us and we'll. Uh, fight crime Yeah, why together. is he living with them? That's strange. He has like a house that's supposedly three times the size of their... Is it just like they're all going to live together? He's supposed to live with them minions. Weird. I guess so. Oh, yeah. He also takes the minions. Yeah, he takes the minions and I guess probably flies back. I don't Which, know. They that is interesting. I'm, I'm curious how that will happen in Despicable Me 4. But before we rate <laughs> it, uh, we've been doing a segment every single week and it's, it's great because you already kind of talked about it and how you don't want to do it. But uh, it's time for a segment called Gru Talking to Me, where uh, both Michael and I will attempt to do Gru impressions. Oh, God. Um. <laughs> I, I can start it because I've been... I'm going to sound like Balky from Perfect Strangers. Perfect Strangers. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so uh, oh, come on, everybody. We have to fight. We have to fight the crime. Oh, that's very good. I feel, I don't know, it's in the throat. It's, I... I well, because this one, uh, Steve Carell does, like, a lot more gravelly for Gru, so they can make Drew sound like, my brother! Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, it sounds, it's, and Gru is down here. Yeah. In this, is this the this voice? Is, this is, that's pretty good. Is, is it? Okay. I, I didn't, I didn't work on this. That's I, okay. Uh, I didn't. Well, it's, it's better as a surprise. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So now, uh, so I'm up for Despicable Me Four for casting for it because <laughs> Steve uh, Carell's done with it. Yeah, he's too busy working on the the hit Space Force Netflix show coming soon. Is he? Yeah, I think. Interesting. That's not going to be great. Okay, oh. uh, I mean it's created by Greg Daniels, so we'll see. Um, so anyway, uh, now is the part of Despicable May where we rate it, and so uh, we have a special special rating system for this month. So if you love it. Uh, it's so big and fluffy. If you liked it, if it was okay, you give it a despicable meh. And if you hate it, it gets bananas. So, oh, Michael, man. What, you, what would you think? You what know, you I, I will, I'll give it a, a despicable meh because it wasn't a... All right, it was a bad movie. I, it was, And you could just trip into the plot holes. And But at the same time, it was a, a colorful romp. It did move quickly. It didn't feel like... I, even though that that's movie was the, an hour and a half with credits, is it didn't movies. feel like... I, I didn't feel like I was sitting there through eternity... Even though they had a lot of wasted time on things that didn't give anything to Yeah, but this movie is so story. cartoony that it's just like, okay, we're just going to move on. Yeah, I mean, I think I kind of went into it with that idea of just like, I am not the targeted audience for this. Like, the kids are going to that's, see a very that simple... That be the subtitle of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the, we are not the target audience. We are this. not the target audience of this. Uh, 
But yeah, so you're giving it a despicable meh? I'll give it a despicable meh. It doesn't I, deserve a honestly, bananas. I was going in here ready to give it bananas, but like honestly talking about it and talking about the potential of what it could have been, I think I'm also going to do despicable meh. And I haven't heard uh, uh, take my breath away in a film since Top Gun, so <laughs> I. Uh... <laughs> so it was a welcome. It yeah. was a welcome uh, thing. Um, but yeah, uh, it's also very cool that we're talking about this movie this week because Despicable Me Three uh, is actually the inspiration for Kid Flicks. So interesting. Why? So, uh, so I started this podcast in May of 2017, right when Despicable Me Three came out. Like I, I was talking to past guest of uh, past guest Ruby Wardis, and she was saying like, come up with a pod, like do a podcast if you want to do one, do one. And I was walking to work, and I walked past. The, the other poster for Despicable Me 3, which had Gru and Drew looking at each other with the tagline, Oh, brother. And I was like, Oh, I'll just do that. Ha! And weirdly enough, I've had this idea for like since the beginning, but I forgot to do it last year. <laughs> so I've been holding out to do it this year. What was your favorite movie as a kid? Have you ever talked about that on the podcast? Um, I didn't have time to binge all of them. No, it's before. fine. It's a hundred something hours of me talking. <laughs> oh God, I can't believe that. Uh, there, there's like definitely an AI now that can just listen to this podcast and then just frame me. Um, but uh, I, my favorite, because that's the, I, I, we loved kids movies. Obviously, like probably, I think. Well, we talked about it on the 100th episode when my parents were on, and we talked about like Freaky Friday and The Parent Trap, like those two Lindsay oh. Lohan movies. They were on heavy rotation. We also are a big, big fat Greek wedding family and a Mrs. Doubtfire family. Oh, okay. So those are kind of our big four. So you were thinking of more in the te- context of like your family watching it together. Like you, I mean, but what was your, like, if you could just, if you could have picked, if it was like you're at, picture it, you're at a blockbuster, this is going to be a very old fashioned sense, you're yeah, at a blockbuster yeah. and it's your turn um, and all the movies are there. I probably, I probably would have gone with like, like a Nickelodeon movie, like a, a Rugrats or Wild Thornberries or something like that. So I loved, I loved Madagascar when it came out, and like anything Pixar. So oh, like, right, that was the one, like the, the zoo, and then they also. Oh no, no, that was like the spinoff film, right? Like there was like the. No, that's the zoo. So they're. In it starts off in the Central they, Park Zoo, and then they have like. Then the, they get shipped to some other zoo, but then the the they fall off the boat and they land in Madagascar. That's it, right. It's a weird movie. I never saw it. Uh, it's, it's fine. <laughs> but anyway, uh, uh, Michael, thank you so much for Oh, no, this was so on. much fun. Um, uh, what, what would you like to plug? Oh, man. Uh, let's see. Yeah, so this I is guess... coming out this Monday, so the next... This is coming out this Monday. Yeah, so that would be the night, but if it's coming out on Monday, then the following Tuesday, um, is Tattooed Momity, which is at, uh, Tattooed Moms on South Street. And that's every last Tuesday of the month, except for this one, because it's Memorial Day weekend, and I'm not insane. Um, I also help co-produce the Wiz City Comedy Festival, and uh, we just had a very successful run of our preview fest, and we have a full festival coming um, November uh, 7th through the 9th, and that's going to be all over South Street in Philadelphia, and you can find us online at at WizCity. On Twitter at Wiz City, on Instagram, and uh, also uh, Wiz City Comedy Festival on um, the Facebook. Fant- on the Facebook, fantastic! <laughs> and uh, next week uh, on Wednesday, May 29th, I will be doing 
uh, stand-up at the Kennett Brewing Company in Kennett Square, Pennsylvania. So if you, for some reason, live near there, come on uh, come on out and see, because I'm getting paid, so I'm excited about that. The first time yeah, that It's I w- BYO. No one told me that when I performed there. <laughs> so Wait, it's I'm BYO? Doing- uh, it's wait. a brewing company. Oh, oh, no, 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 the brewing company. No, I did something at, like, I was it was called say, The Flash in Kennett Square. I don't know. No, no, it was, check, check websites before you go. This was, like, in my first two years of stand-up, so I said yes to any gig, which is solid comedy advice to any comedian. Well, that's why I said to yes to, to you inviting me on Tattooed Mom. Well, that's a great gig, though. <laughs> that's, a, that's an opportunity. Yeah, oh, no, just kidding. <laughs> industry professionals come. And stand yeah, back and a, eat yeah. dollar tacos. Uh, <laughs> and then you can find uh, KidFlix wherever you get your podcast. Please rate and review us on iTunes. It super helps us out. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much no, for, thank uh, you. for sitting in my hot room. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, that is that is all for today. We will hear you next week. And t- <laughs> time to deliver the cookies. <laughs>